Hello, Miami. This is 305 Sports Now, your home podcast for all things Miami sports related. And what a chilly weekend it is down here in South Florida as we are seeing uh, temperatures pretty much in the 40s and uh, in many cases the high 30s, which is very unprecedented for uh, for this part of the South, all right? But, uh, but no, got embracing, got my sweater on, and we're going out my beanie, you know, and uh, just got myself some gloves. So I know it sounds weird, but it, you know, it does get pretty cold in the mornings and I do get up very early. So I want to make sure that my hands are nice and nice and toasty. All right, so just a few things I want to go over today. It was a wild playoff weekend again for the pretty much for the championship game, the conference championship games. So we're going to go over that. We're also once again going to cover the Miami Heat as usual. All right, and they're, they're solid week and a very, very, very tough loss to the Toronto Raptors as it went to three overtimes. And once again, Jimmy Butler uh, steps up and has another triple-double for, for his basketball club. All right, and it, we're also going to go over Florida Panthers, who had a pretty good week as well as they continue to dominate ways all over the NHL. And we're going to cover, uh, of course, Miami Hurricanes as February 2nd is approaching, which is when we're going to know how uh, how Mario Cristobal's uh, recruiting um, how, how it ended, all right, and uh, if we got a couple a uh, couple five stars to come to the U and give us a best shot at not only capturing the ACC Coastal, but the whole ACC in general, including some um, coaching departures that uh, I believe will hurt this football team, but I do have confidence that the Miami Hurricanes under Coach Cristobal, they will recoup and get a good staff for the following year. All right, so it was a wild, wild, wild um, AFC and NFC Championship games. As uh, both team, both uh, all four teams did not disappoint. Everybody played well. It was uh, you got your money's worth watching both these football games. I have to say it though, the most entertaining game to me because I'm a big fan of, of, of solid quarterback play had to be the game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs, in which the Bengals come back from 18 points down, all right, and overtake the Chiefs and beat them in overtime by a score of 27 to 24, sending second year quarterback Joe Burrow to the Super Bowl after this team only won four games last year sent him to the Super Bowl and to take on the Los Angeles Rams which is probably the best defense they have ever faced uh this season as you know the Rams did finish I believe with the number one defense in the entire NFL and Tom Brady will attest to that as they sent him into retirement let's go first over the the Bengals game right that game is was phenomenal phenomenal game Arrowhead Stadium was rocking. Those fans were all happy, you know, to be there. It was cold, but no one cared. It was just an exciting football atmosphere. Uh, but Joe Burrow did not disappoint, going 23 of 38 for 250 yards passing, uh, two touchdowns, and one interception. All right, and uh, his uh, his his favorite targets did not disappoint either. Jamar Chase, who struggled early in the game. But did manage well. Not that he struggled; they just defended him very well. They, they uh, were able to bracket him, and and uh, he faced a lot of double teams throughout the football game. But he managed to get his hands on six balls for 54 yards and one touchdown. Uh, very solid touchdown as well. But because of that, uh, his his other buddy, Mr. T. Higgins, was able to feast with six catches, 103 yards for his ball club. Right, but again, you cannot take away what Patrick Mahomes did also as well. Okay, going 26 of 39 as well, throwing for over 300 yards as well for his team. Uh, but uh, three touchdowns, but two interceptions and four sacks. The last interception was the most costly one because it pretty much put the Cincinnati Bengals in position to win the football game by kicking that field goal. All right, it was, like I said, very good quarterback play. 
although although the the Bengals were able to get to, uh, to Patrick Mahomes four times, it was not easy as Mahomes and his scrambling ability where he was able to extend plays, including the first touchdown in the game, which on the opening drive, Kansas City drove right down the field and uh, Mahomes just just drills a rocket into the receiver's hands and they're able to uh, to get the ball. Listen, Mahomes is about, I think, what, like 25, 26 years old. He's going to be there again, right? He's, gonna, he's already got one Super Bowl. He went last year and uh, he faced a, a, a monstrous defense in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a quarterback in Tom Brady that's just determined to win another Super Bowl. You know, to stick it to his old team, the New England Patriots. But Pat Mahomes will be there quite a few times. Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have really molded him into pretty much the top quarterback in the NFL. It's pretty much him and Aaron Rodgers, I would say, the uh, two best QBs in the National Football League. But let me tell you, Joe Burrow is up and coming. Herbert, uh, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow—they really are gonna. Set, they are the future of this uh, of the league. There's no, there's no denying it that those two, uh, as well as Patrick Mahomes, is already the present. But he's a young, young guy. Quarterbacks are playing a lot longer these days, as we saw with Tom Brady. We also saw that with Drew Brees. We also saw that with Phillip Rivers because the rules um, in terms of how how they're hit, you know, or how defenses approach them have changed. And quarterbacks have been able to excel. At least the talented ones have been able to excel. And that puts the Dolphins in a very interesting position because the Miami Dolphins, uh, right now with Tua Tagovailoa, it is unsure what, if he is the quarterback of the of the future but i'll cover the dolphins in a little bit and uh and i'm going to continue on now to the nfc championship game and it was a bit of the opposite of what we saw uh in the afc championship game although it wasn't at that high scoring you can see the offenses were able to move the ball down the field at will at times but this was just a smash mouth defensive game as the as shanahan versus mcveigh he's had mcveigh's number you know six straight times but what a way to get over that hump all right and uh punch your ticket into super bowl and send the 49ers home packing as the as the rams defeat the niners at home 20 to 17. all right as i said it was not a it was not a, a offensive game for the 49ers garoppolo finishes 16 to 30 for 230 yards two touchdowns and one interception and matt stafford uh 31 to 45 through the ball quite a bit though with 337 passing two touchdowns and one interception all right so matt stafford had the better game but he also did throw the ball more as uh, as he was able to get over the 300 yard mark against a very talented 49er defense that does chase the quarterback down right they do not uh, relent and when it comes to their pass rush uh but the rams receivers uh did have a solid did have some solid days okay as uh as cooper cup right with 11 catches 142 he just balled in this game could have had more but he had a drop uh, he had two touchdowns in this football game. And Odell Beckham Jr., who has been a pariah in most teams he's been to, uh, actually is fitting in within McVay's system. Nine catches, 113 yards, a very solid performance for uh, OBJ. All right. And in terms of the 49ers, uh, Debu Samuel, four catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. George Kittle, not, not a George Kittle kind of day, but two catches nonetheless, uh, 27 yards, and one touchdown he was able to see um you know see the end zone so it was a very solid defensive game for both teams right but the Rams just got the better of the 49ers and they're able to go to the Super Bowl we'll see what happens with uh their OC Mr. McNeil as he is slated to be one of the top candidates for the Miami Dolphins uh coaching vacancy all right which uh, we'll see what happens this week I think the Miami Dolphins will need a head coach this coming week uh, Brian Dable, you know, was uh, was uh, picked up. That was my guy, right? I thought that having Dable over would work for Tua, 
Not only that, I was also hoping to see uh, Ken Dorsey become the offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins, but the Giants were able to pick him up. The old relationship between Dable and also uh, the new GM over in New York kind of solidified that, you know, bringing in, usually GMs bring in their own coaches and that's uh, because they're tied together and that's what happens. So um, best of luck to Dable. I wish he would have been a Dolphins. He was my number one selection. I mean, there's, you saw what he did with Josh Allen and, you know, bringing Ken Dorsey as well would have been great for, for Tua, but nonetheless, we'll see what the Dolphins go with. I'll be very honest with you from what I've seen. I don't like either candidate. I'm not a Kellen Moore guy, right, as well. He has a, he reminds me at times a little bit of Adam Gase, you know, and that that that, that draw play that pretty much cost the Cowboys the game was not, was not, did not make him look good. And McNeil's just, you know, although he might be a brilliant offensive mind, he really hasn't played football, you know, at a high level. So, I just don't know how the players, you know, who are used to ice baths and stuff like that, and some of them are millionaires, are going to respond to a guy like that. So I just don't know, you know, how it's going to be. So I'm not, I'm not sold. Uh, ru- uh, rumors have it that Jim Harbaugh, you know, will, uh, if he does decide to leave Michigan, you know, um, Stephen Ross is going to go after him and finally make him the head coach of Miami Dolphins. That's something I'd be okay with because Jim Harbaugh does have, you know, coaching experience at the NFL and even took the 49ers to a Super Bowl, almost winning it. And uh, so I think that would be that would be the best coaching hire for the Miami Dolphins at this time. But I'm not sold, like I said, on McNeil. And I'm not sold on Kellen Moore. If Elon becomes the head coach and, and, they're, and they're Sean McVay, you know, where they're going to two Super Bowls in five years, I'm okay with it. I'm obviously, you know, going to root for the head coach that's here. Hopefully, hopefully he becomes successful. But as far as like what I've, from what I've seen and I'm not a big fan of, of, of either selection. I'd rather have the enemy personally. I, I just for the life of me, I don't understand why Eric does not have a head coaching job. He's been rumored to be to be in um, several positions, you know, last year in particular, or actually the year before when Flores was hired for the Finns. But uh, I just don't understand why Eric just can't get a job. You know, he's been interviewed, but I don't know. If it's his people skills, he just can't seem, teams just don't seem to, to take him for some reason. Nonetheless, uh, we'll see. I do believe by the end of this week, I do believe the Miami Dolphins will have a new football coach. You know, there's not much out there as people are getting snapped up. It, but I do believe it, it's either going to be those three, Kellen Moore, um, Mike McNeil over in San Francisco, and or Jim Harbaugh. Again, of the three, I'd rather have Harbaugh because he's done it at the college level. He's done it at the NFL level. He's also a former NFL quarterback, you know, for the Chicago Bears for many years. And also, let's not forget, the Indianapolis Colts as well. So I'd like to see... Jim Harbaugh, uh, if that's the case, become the head coach of the Dolphins. Because again, I do think the players will respect him. He's got head coaching experience in the NFL. He's got a Super Bowl and um, lost to a very good Ravens team, you know, but we'll see what happens uh, in this week. Because like I said, I do believe he will be the the head coach. My predictions for the Super Bowl, that's going to be on February 13th, all right, at 6.30. I predict it's going to be the LA Rams. I think the Rams, it's their year. They got Matthew Stafford for a reason. He has not disappointed. Matthew Stafford wasted his career in Detroit. Detroit is a place where many careers go to die. Matthew Stafford took a lot of beating, took a beating, but we, we've seen the talent in Detroit. We saw it in Georgia, obviously. We saw some uh, some talent, you know, when he's had uh, a couple of good years with the, with the Lions. They, he, go, he moves over to LA. Jared Goff goes over to Detroit. And now Matthew Stafford is playing in the Super Bowl. And that's something I think he deserves. I think he was an underrated quarterback, you know, for many years because of where he played and with some talent, good coaching, 
a, a better offensive line, I would say. We're now starting to see how good Matt Stafford is. And, and I do believe that Matthew Stafford will be a Super Bowl champion uh, by the end of that game. Nothing against Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is just an absolute baller, all right? He is a stud at the quarterback position. I just don't think it's his time. I really don't. Second year player, a little Marino-esque, you know, as well. You know, he knows how to zip that ball. He's got a solid arm. He's got a great relationship with Jamar Chase in terms of continuity, in terms of consistency, of rapport. But the bottom line is I just think he's too young and that's the best defense he's going to face uh, that Sunday. It's going to be the Rams defense with guys like Jalen Ramsey and guys like Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is just a beast, you know, as an interior tackle. So I do believe he will harass Joe Burrow. And I do believe that the, the Rams will also have a very good offense as well. Let's not take that away from them. They're a pretty complete team. They have a solid defense, solid offense, and pretty good special team. So I just believe that this is the year of the Rams. Right, just because of the experience, the talent on defense, the talent at receivers, you know, even at tailback, Cam Akers is a very solid running back as well. I do believe that although the Bengals do have a high-powered offense, they have a solid running game, good wide receiver play, good quarterback play. I just think it's the Rams year. That's just me. I might be wrong. The Bengals have proven everybody wrong as they beat two of the best teams in the AFC. They beat the Titans and they also beat the Kansas City Chiefs, both on the road. So they're not afraid of the spotlight, but I just think at this time, at this time period, I do believe it's the Rams year, and I do believe they will, they will win that uh, that game. All right. So that's it for for football. Okay. So I'm going to jump into NBA basketball, as I will be discussing the Miami Heat. All right. The Miami Heat have another spectacular and solid week. The Heat still stand in first place with 32 victories and only 18 defeats. And the Miami Heat have a solid week once again, uh, pretty much blasting their opponents whenever they've gotten a chance. A solid week at home as they are at a homestand. They had a very tough loss, which we'll go over uh, this past um, Saturday against the Toronto Raptors. They went to three overtimes, though. It took the Raptors three overtimes to knock off the Miami Heat. I'll get into that uh, in about a bit. Uh, why, why why I think it's important that the Miami Heat, you know, kind of win that game, win those kinds of games. But nonetheless, uh, I will go over the fact that they beat the snot out of the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks are not very good this year. Duncan Robinson has 25 points. He went 7 for 11 from three-point land. Guy's starting to heat up. But that guy in trade rumor conversation, he's starting to step up. So that's a good thing. Jimmy Butler goes to, has 22 points in that game. Goes 7 for 8 from the field. And Tyler Hero, again, not disappointing. Again, guaranteed 20 points, 21 points, three of six shooting beyond the three-point line. Tyler Hero's a flat-out stud. And the thing is that the, um, Kyle Lowry, Bama DeBio, Jimmy Butler, and Tyler Hero have only played a combined total of 15 games, and the Heat are still in first place. That's pretty much an anomaly. Most teams would not be in that position, but Miami is just that damn good, especially that damn good on defense, all right, as well. And they got these plug-and-play guys, like I mentioned uh, in, the, in the bonus podcast when I talked about Eric Spolster being the, the best coach in the NBA, how they're able to, to plug guys in in their system and make them successful players. Then they go off and face the, the LA Clippers. The LA Clippers are without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, so they're a wounded team. The Heat do dominate that game for the most part. The Clippers do make a push, as did the Lakers the week prior. But nonetheless, it's a Jimmy Butler show. Uh, Jimmy Butler scores 26 points. Not very good from the field at 5 for 12, 
but he just got to that free throw line. He went 16 for 16 uh, from the free throw line. So uh, 16 of his 26 points came pretty much from the charity stripe. So good job there, Jimmy Butler, making uh, making all his free throws and taking advantage of the fact that they were fouling him throughout this game. Bam and Abayo comes back and he's like, he's never left. Okay, Bam, seven of 14, shoots 50% from the field, has 20 points as well. All right, so that's a, that's a pretty solid game for both Jimmy and Bam. As well, uh, two defensive, uh, two defensive-minded players who also know how to put the ball in the hole and are very talented on offense. Heartbreaker, though, a playoff atmosphere at FTX as the Miami Heat fall 124 to 120 against the Toronto Raptors. All right, Jimmy Butler did ball out in that game, though. Jimmy Butler had 37 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists. Okay, so. You can't ask much from Jimmy. The Miami Heat were just unable to do it. It was the second night of a back-to-back at home. But, I, but I've said, like I said in previous podcasts, those are the games, even though they're back-to-back, Miami has got to win. When you're at home, it's a home-and-home. Home. You've got to win both those games, all right? Especially when you're in a position where the teams, you know, pretty much are chasing you. They're not that far behind you either, right? Uh, the Miami Heat are still, uh, I believe, have a lead of two uh, two games against, you know, various teams within uh, within the Eastern Conference. So Miami has got to, that's like their largest lead. The Miami Heat have got to win those back-to-back, especially when you're facing a team that you are better than. The Miami Heat just lost their legs, all right? And three overtimes you played the night before, your legs do give out. There's only so much you could do, you know, as a basketball team playing uh, the second out of a back-to-back, but Miami should have won that game, you know, from the start. Uh, they they picked it up in the fourth quarter. They had a very dominant fourth quarter, which enabled them to go to overtime. And the Raptors were able to uh, stave off a Miami Heat onslaught for two overtimes, and they were able to take the game, you know, and win in stunning fashion against the Miami Heat. But nonetheless, Miami has got to win, has got to win those kinds of games. Those games are very important because again, especially when you're fighting for the top seed, in the East where you want the entire Easter Conference to have to go through uh, FTX. Biscayne has got to be busy. It's got to be busy. The Miami Heat want that first seed. They've made it obvious. I think when the All-Star break hits, which is coming soon, the Heat will be much better. They'll get some bodies back. Uh, the guys will peel up. You know, you'll have uh, a little soreness going away. But let's not forget the X Factor. We'll see how that goes. Everybody's everybody's waiting for it. It's coming in February. And that's Mr. Victor Oladipo. Right, Victor Oladipo is a solid two-way player, and everybody knows that, especially that those couple years at OKC, and even in Indiana, he played a, he played very well. Okay, so once Victor gets in there, you plug him in. Victor can give you 20 points tonight as well, and can shut down pretty much any team's best offensive player. So that is a, that in of itself is a plus for the Miami Heat. They're getting healthy, they're getting Victor back. All right, so that's just gonna make him even better defensively. Miami has a top 10 defense in basketball and a middle-of-the-road offense, air quotes, because the Miami Heat shoot the ball, you know, from beyond the arc just as well as any team, all right? Uh, You know, especially they had a great January shooting the three ball, so uh, let's hope that continues in February as well. We can't forget forget about the hockey team now. The Florida Panthers are kicking butt, okay? The Florida Panthers are just flat-out dominant, and once again, they have an amazing week as well. They defeat the Winnipeg Jets, okay, by a score of five to three, five goals to three. Playoff type atmosphere. You know, they, they were on the road. They were a road team this time around. The Panthers are 31 and nine. Uh, they're tops in the East, and Sam Bennett gets a goal. And pretty much Mason 
Marchment gets two goals in that hockey game, and they put away the Jets. And uh, from what I, from talking to one of my buddies, and let me tell you, Las Vegas might be an expansion team, you know, or like the youngest team in the NHL in terms of uh, in terms of time. But they're a pretty solid team, right? Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas is a very solid team. Panthers do knock them off four to one. The last two goals on empty netters, you know, pretty much at the over there in Sunrise. Uh, Barkov, uh, uh, Barkov got one goal, and Sam Bennett got two goals in this game. All right, so then they also then wrap up, you know, the week against the San Jose Sharks. They uh, were able to stave off the Sharks, winning five to four, five goals to four. John Huberdeau gets one goal, and Sam Bennett gets one goal as well. All right, so another solid week for the Florida Panthers. They are the best team. I, I mean, I love the Miami Heat, but they're the best team in South Florida right now. They're the most consistent, the most dominant, and I think they they have the best chance of winning a championship. I do believe the Stanley Cup will go through Sunrise this year. All right, so I, I uh, let's give the Panthers some credit. As mentioned, once football season's over, the Florida Panthers and Miami Heat will get a lot more coverage as well because um, football will not be there. Um, as much as uh, as it is when the regular season is uh, pretty much in full swing. The same thing with college football. All right, but uh, again, I know college football is absolutely over, but I can't close, you know, this podcast without talking about the, my favorite football team in college football, of course, and that is the Miami Hurricanes. All right, Coach Cristobal has been absolutely killing it on the recruiting trail. This, uh, this upcoming Wednesday, February 2nd, We'll find out if five-star edge rusher Shamar Stewart is uh, a cane, an Aggie, or a bulldog, right? Well, uh, there's been some reports that uh, Shamar Stewart is a little skeptical about the U. I think he wants to come here, but he's a bit skeptical about the U because he's not sure who his DC is going to be, his defensive coordinator. And that's an absolutely valid point, all right, because you want to make sure that you're in a system that you're comfortable in, all right? According to, to some sources out there, um, Cristobal has told them who his candidates might be. You know, guys like, you know, uh, the defensive coordinator of Houston, you know, Luke Belk, right, as well. There's the Glenn Schumann thing has been uh, has been, has been going around. Clint Hurd as well. Derek Mason over at Auburn. There's also rumors about the linebacker coach and Miami Dolphins possibly getting a look or coming in as well. Or, um, again, I'm not a big fan of position coaches, you know, jumping into D.C. without experience or actually – uh, I'm not I'm not against it, but I'm not a fan of them starting in a power five school. I'd rather they start off at a smaller program, prove themselves, and then jump into the power five, right? I'm just saying because the U is willing to spend the money. So if they're willing to spend the money, I think a guy with experience and someone who's proven it to be, uh, proven to be successful, you know, uh, coordinating a defense, I think that's the guy that should get the shot. Not, not somebody you're taking a chance on who's a position coach. That's just me, right? So Schumann, Belk, you know, uh, Mason, those are guys that I think, you know, they, they fit the system well, but, you know, the, the linebacker coach, uh, Campanella, uh, Campanella, I think his name is Campanella, forgive me, is, uh, is um, I'm not sure. What the only thing I'm excited about is uh, the system that he'll bring in, okay, the system that uh, he'll bring in, you know, uh, because it'll be a blitzing type system that Brian Flores incorporated, and I think that is a uh, that is something that the Miami Hurricanes football players will, uh, will, um, you know, will enjoy, you know, because of the fact that this is a team that, that, uh, that blitzes, you know, and there's a team that is aggressive, but I think Anthony, you know, pretty much Anthony Campanella and so on, uh, Campanella and so on is somebody that, um, 
that uh that might need to start kind of like if you're in banda start off at like an iowa state that kind of deal and then you bring them into a power five school you know like in the acc or sec that's just me all right that's just me you know but again if he's successful i hope so you know and i do believe that he will bring in that floors type system where you'll get the cover zero and you might think you're blitzing off but you'll drop guys back a little complicated but these kids can handle it because of the fact that they love to blitz and they're used to blitzing but again, I, I, I'd rather have a Schumann. I'd rather have a Belk, you know, as well, because I think Belk has proven it. And Houston, he was a monster. Houston, you know, was giving up a little under 20 points a game, I think, on defense. And that's very hard to, that's fair. That's a huge accomplishment in today's uh, college football game where uh, where offenses are just, you know, running rub shot, you know, on defenses because of the rules of targeting. And not only that, everybody goes, not everybody, but most teams now are doing a spread offense, which puts guys in space, which leads to a lot of points. So for them to pretty much average under 20 points a game on defense, I think that says a lot, right? For for Coach Belk and his um and his uh, and his scheme and his system, you know, uh, at Houston, for the Cougars over there. So that's just me. That's just what I think. So uh, so that's that's just what I think, and I think that's something that Shamar wants to know what's going on. And and he's right. Listen, he's a kid. All right, I, I'm not gonna get upset if he doesn't come to the U. Now, I also don't think that Mark Cristobal should just hire a DC to bring him here, to bring Shamar Stewart here. Uh, this isn't a quarterback in the NFL where you're hiring somebody because you're investing all the money, all this money on this quarterback. So you wanna make sure that they're successful. It doesn't work that way in college football. So if Coach Cristobal can't bring in a guy like Shamar Stewart because he's not, uh, he's uh, he doesn't, he's unsure of the schematics of the defense, guess what? There's going to be another four or five star defensive lineman coming out next year. We'll have a DC in place. You know, if he doesn't go to the NFL, go to the team, but we'll have a DC in place, a defensive coordinator in place. So we'll get a guy like that maybe next year. Okay, so I'm not that worried. Coach Cristobal is a, is a pit bull. He expects a lot of his coaches and, and he's he's already proven it. Najee Kelly, Jaleel Skinner, and Cyrus Moss are examples of how good of a coach and recruiter our Cristobal is because those guys were not even coming here if it wasn't for Coach Cristobal. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt. One thing I am sad about and freaking out is that he is losing coaches. He doesn't have a DC or an OC, but he's he's lost a, a DB coach, Tavares Robinson. Uh, T-Rob got the job over at Alabama, you know, and and uh, he made it very official to T-Rob when he uh, posted on his Instagram post, uh, Roll Tide and him wearing the polo of, you know, the with the Alabama emblem on it. Um, so that was pretty funny, you know, and basically he's happy to be there. He's an SEC guy. He, uh, you know, he went to school at Auburn. He, he was a DC over at South Carolina. He coached at Florida with Will Muschamp. So I think the, going to Bama was, you know, he felt was the right move for him because he's just, he's, he has an affinity for that conference. And not only that, you know, being um, an assistant coach in Alabama almost guarantees you, almost guarantees you a higher position, maybe at another school, like a defensive coordinator position, or you know something else, maybe a head coaching position at a smaller school, if he's able to get it. So I think that I think I think career-wise, although I'm sad to see him go because I went to school with the guy. I used to interview him when I was a sideline reporter over at Coral Park Senior High School. I do think career-wise, he has to do his best for himself, and it might have been it might it might end up working out for him being a coach under Saban, you know, in the future if he decides you know to pursue a pursue a, a DC job as a defensive coordinator. And I think he wants another shot. I'm almost sure he wants another shot at DC somewhere else. But uh, but I think going to Bama, if Bama again successfully is successfully on defense, 
he's going to get a look uh, somewhere else at the, as, a, as a defensive coordinator. So that's going to pretty much happen for him. And so so good luck to T-Rob. But it's tough, though, because now that's a position that Coach Cristobal has to has to fill. I think T-Rob is probably, maybe Stephen Fields, who we're not sure yet, is, by the way, Stephen Fields is the current tight end coach of the University of Miami. People say he's just as responsible for having Skinner here as um, as Coach Cristobal is as well. All right, uh, we, he brings in his wide receiver coach, Brian McClendon from Oregon, and BMAC a couple days before the end of National Signing Day, decides to go back to his alma mater in Georgia. So now Miami does not have a wide receiver coach. So that's another position of need that uh, Coach Cristobal has got to fill. So we have no OC. Apparently, both uh, offensive coordinator candidates dropped, uh, said no to Coach Cristobal. We have no OC, no DC. I do expect both positions uh, to be filled by the end of this month. I'm, I mean, I know he takes a while to pick his coordinators. And again, if Shamar Stewart wants to be here, he's going to be here. I don't think that um, that Mara Cristobal is going to pick, you know, a defensive coordinator just to get one kid here. That's just not going to happen. He's going to pick the right guy that fits what he wants to do for his team. All right, so that's about uh, that's about it when it comes to the coaches. So we lost BMAC, all right? We've lost T-Rob. There's rumors that DVD, uh, Demarcus Van Dyke, who wants to be a position coach, right now I think he's resuming as a, he's serving as a recruiting analyst or a a recruiter uh, for uh, for the Hurricanes. He wants to be a position coach, and he might be looking elsewhere to get that job. All right, whether it's FIU or whether it's another school as well. He was rumored to be tied into FIU. Uh, I don't know if they have a position. Cornerbacks coach, yeah, because I haven't really been following the Golden Panthers ever since um, Butch Davis was let go, and and the Canes, you know, the Canes, you know, brought in a splash of bringing Mario Cristobal. But the bottom line is, uh, DVD, I, I know for a fact because it's been reported that Demarcus Van Dyke does want to um, be a position coach somewhere, cornerbacks uh, or defensive backs in general. If it's not the University of Miami, he's going to go somewhere else. So let's see if we can find a way to have uh, Coach Cristobal keep him. Uh, because he is a, a solid recruiter. He's a good recruiter. He knows the community and he's a good coach as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Okay. Uh, if you like what you heard, please do not forget to download, whether it's Ankle, Ankle, Anchor, sorry about that, Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. And if you'd like to leave a financial do- donation, please remember that this is a listener support podcast. Please go to anchor.fm slash 305 sports and leave your financial donation. All right, and if, you, uh, if you're if you out there in the Facebook world, uh, please uh, like my Facebook page at 305 Sports Now as well. All right, I will, that is it for me. Okay, hope you guys have a wonderful day. Be safe and God bless. See you next week and we will uh, see you next week. All right, for some, uh, some more Miami Heat and Florida Panther action and hopefully some news on the head, on the head coaching search for the Miami Dolphins. Have a blessed day and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.